today I want to talk about the season of growth. So if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 8, the season of growth. We've been talking about how life is divided into seasons. And, um, and, and the reality is, 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 is very, very true in the fact that, that growth is not automatic. When we talk about a season of growth, it's not automatic. A season of growth is not instant. A season of growth isn't easy, but it is doable. And, and I want to show you in Scripture where God has a plan to grow and to develop you, regardless if you are in marketplace, regardless if you're in vocational ministry, regardless if you're in junior high, uh, you're a soccer mom, whatever it may be. And, and listen to these examples of people who had to go through some really tough times in order to see success. You may know the names before I ever get to their stories. Charles Schultz had every cartoon he submitted rejected by his high school staff yearbook. And oh yeah, Walt Disney would not hire him. Walt Disney was fired by the newspaper editor because, quote, he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. He went bankrupt several times before he built Disneyland and in fact proposed the park, uh, in fact the proposed park was rejected by the city of Anaheim on the grounds that it would only attract riffraff. 27 publishers, 27, rejected Dr. Seuss's first book. R.H. Macy of the famed Macy department store failed and went bankrupt seven times before his store caught on in New York. Winston Churchill, the great prime minister of England, failed the sixth grade. He was subsequently defeated in every election for public office until he became prime minister at age 62. J.K. Rowling, first, uh, the, the famed author of the Harry Potter series, her first book was rejected by numerous publishers and only accepted because the publisher of a small publishing house in, in, in England, uh, his eight-year-old daughter fell in love with the manuscript and begged her father to publish it. All these people achieved growth not because, they, not because of who they were, because of what they were, but they understood something that I want to teach you that's completely biblical. I believe all truth is God's truth. And I think sometimes we do things and don't realize what just happened. Um, and I, but I think that God's word always gives us guidelines in which to live by. And so we've been talking about seasons. We've been talking about being in a season of spring or being in a season of fall or in a season of winter or a season of summer, knowing what season that you're in and living in that season. I want to talk to you about how do you grow in your life? How do you get ahead? How do you accomplish what's in your heart? Because I do believe this. I believe that every person in this room, God's given you a dream and a destiny. You may not know all the hows and the whys. You may not have all the insight on what to do. But I, I do believe that there's something that's in there and there's a desire in there to want to get to that. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. How do you achieve that growth, that season of growth that you desire in your life? Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, this one uh, verse in scripture is happening where God begins to speak to Noah after God's flooded the earth because of the sin of humanity. And he, he makes this covenant with Noah at an altar. And, and he makes this statement and he establishes his covenant. And part of the covenant that we know from the great flood is that God said he would put a rainbow in the sky that would be his promise to humanity that he would never destroy the earth again by water. And he makes this covenant and he says these words in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. For as long as the earth endures, God says, there will be seed, time, and harvest. There will be cold and heat. There will be summer and winter. Day and night will never cease. Let me read that again. For as long as this earth shall endure, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they will never cease. Now, this 
this piece of scripture, this, this passage, if you would, kind of gives us some insights. So I want to just kind of walk through this verse because I think you're going to see some things that maybe you know and maybe you don't know. The first is the phrase, as long as the earth shall endure. As long as this earth shall endure. God's idea behind the earth and its life. First of all, God created the earth. I know we know this, but, but I just want to make, this will make sense all as we come together. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God established the earth. God built the earth. God spoke this world into existence. He created this earth. Second thing is God created man. He didn't just create the earth. He created man. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 says, God said, let us make man in our image. Notice the plural personal pronoun of our, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In our image and in our likeness, so that they may do what? Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So, with that purpose statement in mind, God created man in his own image. And the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we see that, 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 that Genesis chapter 8 refers to this earth that God's created and that God's created you and I, male and female, to basically rule this earth, to, to, to lead on this earth. And we're created in the image and the likeness of God. God is a creator. God, uh, who his, the, 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 the scripture describes his characteristics are, are, are very human-like because why we are made in the image and likeness of God. If you go into the New Testament, at one point, Jesus is kind of tries to be cornered by the religious leaders of the day. And they say to him, should you pay taxes to Caesar, basically serving allegiance to Caesar? Because, again, in their mindset, there was a political undertow happening in the first century. They thought that Jesus, or the Messiah, would overturn the Roman government and establish Jerusalem, or, or Israel, back to its prominence, uh, according to the Old Testament. And Jesus makes this statement, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but unto God what is God." He, he goes back to the only thing that bears the image of God in this world is you. It's me. The, the Bible says that the earth and the fullness thereof is a handiwork of God. It's, 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 it's his workmanship. It's, it's, it's what he does. It would be like a carpenter who creates a beautiful uh, piece of woodwork or, or a gardener who, who, who creates a beautiful gardener, uh, a garden, or, or someone who, a builder that creates a beautiful home or an architectural masterpiece. The Bible says that the earth and the fullness thereof is the handiwork of God, but you and I are created in his image and in his likeness, which means we have his tendencies. We have his, we have God-like uh, characteristics in us. We have the ability to create, to think for ourselves, to, to, to lead as he does. So he puts that in us. There's that desire in us. That's the reason why that when you, when you read scripture that uh, vocation or a job predates the fall of man. Uh, and so, so, so for a man or for a woman to say, this is my job, this is my responsibility. It's right here in Genesis chapter one. You have a job, you have a responsibility. We are to have dominion on this earth. We are to have, have, have leadership on this planet. And so, so when he speaks about the earth, he, he's talking about this earth that God has created. God is speaking about the man that he's created and God creates man to rule this earth. Look at verse 28, 29 and 30. So God blessed them. And he said to them, this is man, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the air, and over every living creature that moves along the ground. And then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with a seed in it, they will be yours for food. Again, it goes back to the whole concept of seed time and harvest. 
Verse 30, and all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground and everything that has breath of life in it, I will give every green plant for food. And it was so. Now, I know I'm spending some time on this, but I want you to understand that when he starts this statement in, verse, in, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, for as long as the earth, this is what he's referring to. God's saying to Noah, look, he's saying to humanity, I created this earth and the fullness thereof, period. Secondly, I created man. I created you, Noah, to live, live on this planet, to lead on this planet, to have dominion on this planet. And I created everything on this planet to work for you. I created everything on this planet so that it would produce for you. And the same image and likeness of God that we're created with his creativity, with his ability to lead, with, with power and with dominion, God created you and I with those same tendencies, with those same characteristics. And so he put us here to rule the earth. But he uses this word. He says, as long as the earth shall endure, which denotes the fact that this isn't always going to last. This isn't always going to be here. Matter of fact, if you read Matthew chapter 24, it talks, and I don't have time to go into this, but about the eschaton of time, about the ending of time, about what will happen in the destruction that will happen, that this planet will be no more at a certain point. But until that time, God's original plan that he created the earth, that he created man, and he created man to rule over the earth is set in place. And that does not change until we see the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 24, which is the ending of this earth. For as long as the earth shall endure. So as long as you and I are here on this earth, here are the rules is what he's saying. That God created man to rule the earth and until the earth is no more, we're here to rule and this earth is here to produce for us and is here to be for us. The world will come to an end, but as long as it exists, you can count on seasons. What seasons? He said, for as long as the earth shall endure, there'll be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Now, I'm processing through here, and I'm trying to think, well, you know, these are kind of juxtapositions, if you will, of, of seed time and then harvest, and then cold and then heat, and, and day and night. They're, they're, they're opposites. They're, they're, they're comparison contrasts. But if you slice it in a different way, instead of just putting seed time and harvest together, cold and heat together, day and night together, and, and, and summer and winter together, if you kind of cut them uh, in a different way and you put together seed time and cold and, and winter and night together, you see something. And if you put together harvest and heat and summer and daytime, which all have, they're all connected, you see something. And basically it divides this season of growth in, into two pieces, God is saying. For as long as this earth shall endure, the earth that I created, the creation of man that I put here, and the design by the creator for the creation to rule the earth and for the earth to produce for it, as long as that happens until I'm done with this earth, here's how it's going to be. There will be two parts to a season of growth. There'll be a time of preparation and a time of reward. There'll be a time of preparation and a time of reward. If you're taking notes, you want to write that down. A time of preparation and a time of reward. And so we see preparation being seed time and cold and winter and night. We see the time of reward uh, being the opposite of that, of being harvest and heat and summer and daytime. But there's two aspects to growth. There's two aspects of this to work together. And here's what I find sometimes. We want the reward, but we don't want the preparation. We want the heat of summer and the day, and, and we want the harvest, but we're not willing to put the preparation in. And, and the reality is, is you can't have one without the other, that one precedes the other. And that if you invert these two things, you, you, you mess it up. 
you, you don't get to just go spend, 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 and then pay tomorrow. That you sacrifice today for tomorrow. And you live today uh, in, in, in hopes of preparation that there is a reward tomorrow. Now, the good news is that there is a reward. Why? Because God's not a man that he would lie. What's important to understand about this, and I'm going to get to this in just a minute, is that this is how God designed things to be. And so if you read the book of Proverbs, you'll find that get-rich schemes are not biblical at all. That's why the Bible doesn't come out directly and speak against gambling, but it talks about foolish investments, things, games of chance, things that, that, that have no ability to have sustainability. Because as much as we as humans want this quick reward, this quick fix with this microwave instantaneous society, which exponentially uh, uh, happens in the world in which we live in, that's not the way God designed it. And so when we, the creation, go against the way God, the creator, intended to, be, to do things, we have problems. Anxiety, stress, worry, fear, exhaustion, burnout. But when we, the creation, do it the way God, the creator, designed it to be, there's fulfillment, there's satisfaction, there's longevity, there's something to be, wow, there's something, there's something to be gained. So I want to talk to you about these two parts of the season of growth today. And again, uh, this isn't rocket science, but I hope that it kind of makes some sense and helps you to identify where you are and where God wants you to be. The season of preparation, seed time, cold, winter, and night, it comes first. So let's talk about this. Seed time. Seed time would refer to the length of preparation. The length of preparation. We, we don't like to prepare very quickly. We don't like to prepare meals quickly. We don't like to prepare for a lot of things quickly. We just want everything right away now. It's kind of like Burger King. And the length of preparation varies. As you read scripture, you find out that God has a plan and a purpose. And he speaks his plan and his purpose. But there's a time lapse. There's a preparation. There's a length of preparation from the time that God asked them to do his, his followers to do something to the time that it happens. King David. King David is anointed king of Israel. But it will take him 13 years to go from being anointed king of Israel to actually sitting on the throne. 13 years of preparation. Um, Joseph. Joseph has a dream that he will rule and reign and his brothers will bow down before him. It's 13 years that Joseph goes, is sold into slavery. He goes to Potiphar's house. He goes back to the prison and then he goes back to the palace. 13 years before that actually comes to pass. The length of preparation. Paul. Paul the Apostle, when he is radically saved and, and he has this transformational moment at the book of Acts records, it is 13 years from this missionary when he's first converted till he actually leaves for his first missionary journey. Abraham. Abraham is following God. Hebrew says he's on a journey looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. It takes him 25 years from the time that God speaks until the son is born. Moses. Moses. Moses, it takes Moses 40 years to see when God speaks to him in the desert to the time that he comes before Pharaoh, to the time that he leads the nation of Israel out of bondage from the nation of, of Egypt in through the desert before they ever get to the edge of the river to possess the promised land. 40 years. You know, David, he's dealing with a rogue king for 13 years. And Joseph, he's dealing with himself. God's dealing out, he's dealing with the pride and the arrogance that, that, that Joseph has. Paul is dealing with his past. It takes him quite a while just to gain credibility. He's not actually gonna kill other Christians on these missionary journeys. For Abraham, we don't know, only God knows. It's a sovereignty of God issue. And for Moses, it's not about himself. It's about him having to lead three million Israelites who are backwards and stubborn. 
Sometimes the reason why the length of preparation is there isn't because of you. It's because you're dealing with the road king. Sometimes it's because you're dealing with your past. Sometimes it's because you're dealing with other people that you're trying to lead. Sometimes only God knows. Sometimes it's all about you and God's waiting on you. Remember Joseph? Joseph is standing there. He has the ability to interpret dreams. It was one of the things that God gave him. And so he has been imprisoned falsely uh, for, for uh, basically for trying to rape Potiphar's wife, which he did not do, but she claims that he did. And so Potiphar has him thrown into prison. He's in prison with the cupbearer and, and with, the, with the baker. And they both have dreams, and Joseph's able to interpret their dreams. And he says to the baker, you know, you're, you're, to the one you're going to die, to the other one you're going to live. And the one that's going to live, he looks at that one and says, hey, when you get before the king, tell him, I've been falsely accused. Tell him that I'm, I'm in here. Uh, tell him that I have the ability to interpret dreams. Tell him. And the Bible says that the cupbearer forgets all about Joseph. And for two years, he sits in prison. You ever wonder why that is? Why I think it is, is the fact that his, he was trying to manipulate the system. He was trying to preempt the plan of God. He was trying to eject himself out of this season of preparation. And God said, no, you've got to come to the end of yourself. I'll open the doors when it's time. Preparation, it's not fun. Sometimes it can be long. Sometimes it's short. But we have to go through that. The, the second thing that we see about preparation is, is when it talks about the cold, the temperature, the conditions of preparation. Conditions of preparation in those seasons that we go through are not always ideal. They're not always easy. They're not always pleasant. I don't like know anyone that really likes extremely, extremely, extremely cold weather. I remember my first winter in Milwaukee. I was going to get a newspaper one Sunday afternoon, and it was $1.75, and so I got quarters. And I was putting the quarters in the machine, and they kept coming out, falling to the snow that felt like it was eight feet deep. It was only about a foot. And I kept putting it in there. And finally, I was so cold. I was just fed up. I just like, I, I can't handle this anymore. I'm just, I'm just, it is just bone-chilling cold to me. And, and especially when the wind begins to howl. It's not even as cold as it sounds, you know what I'm saying? Like last night it was that way. And it begins to go, these conditions, sometimes the conditions in which you're dealing with whatever the preparation to whatever it is that God's put in your heart to do, they're not easy. And in those moments, those times when it's not easy and when it's not pleasant, we begin to ask sometimes, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? And many times it's not. Many times the reality is it's just what it is. It's just a season that we're going through. It's a time that God's working. It's a time that God's doing. It's a cold season in our life. It's a time where it's not really pleasant and you may be a bit irritable and you may have to deal with yourself and it's just not great, but it is what it is and it's part of what you have to endure. It's part of what you have to go through. As long as this earth shall endure, there will be seasons of cold. Winter. Winter is, 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 is the time of, of work for preparation. This is all, uh, it's, it's the work of preparation. It's, it's the labor that's involved. And so if you, it, you know, the way the Bible puts this is in very agricultural type terms. And if you talk to a farmer, you talk to someone who works the soil for a living, uh, if you're not a farmer, you think, well, man, farmers don't do anything in the wintertime, right? They just kind of put, put another log on the fire, cook me up some bacon and some beans. It's kind of a deal. I mean, they don't really do anything. But the reality is 
It's in the time of winter that farmers will work on their barns and they work on their houses. They'll repair their tractors and the machinery. It's during that time that they're developing their business plans and they're developing the plans for the, for the year's crops. And they're, they're, they're going through numbers and statistically analyzing what's produced and what hasn't produced and what's supposed to happen next year and what's not supposed to happen. It's a time that they begin to promote and publicize their products. It's a time if they have animals and livestock, they have to continue to, to feed them and to take care of them. And some, if it's a very harsh, it's been a very poor season of harvest, will find a second job. Winter is a time of work. And part of this whole thing about growing is you have to be willing to put in the hours to work. I want to talk to people that are my generation. I'm 42 and younger, Gen Xers and millennials. We don't like to work. Seriously. We want to come out of college. We want to get a corner office. We, we want to work nine to five. Uh, in ministry, I see so many young pastors that they will sacrifice ministry on the altar of family. And they'll say, well, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this, and, and, I, and, and I, I can't do this, and I can't do that because of my family, because of my kids. And at some point, I want to go, stop, time out, time out. Did God call you? Yes. Are children a gift from the Lord? Yes. Then he'll give you the ability to balance some things. But there's things called sacrifice. It's just part of what it is. And the same way in, in, in the world in which we live in, even if you're in the marketplace, there's just this season where you just work and you work to prove yourself and to prove yourself and you work. And you may pull in one day and say, man, I wish I drove a car like the owner did. Or man, I wish I had an office like the owner did. Or I wish I had the perks that the owner did. And, and until you get to the owner's office, and then you really wish you were back working not in the owner's office because you don't want to deal with all the headaches that they have to deal with. Amen. Ooh, some owners are going, yeah, amen. Some parents are going, amen, preach it. This is good. Kids, wake up. Listen to it. My point is, is that, is that at the end of the day, there's seasons if you're going to have growth in your life, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to work for it. The Bible even says of ministry that if we put our hand to the plow and we look back, meaning that we're regretting what we're having to do, we're not fit for the service of the kingdom. See, the, the idea is, is that work is a good thing. Work is something that, that predates the fall of man. Work is something that we need to, to be involved with. And, and in this day and age, I'm not worried about people burning out. I'm worried about people rusting out. I'm not worried about, about us, us, us having exhaustion. Oh, my goodness. It's been 42 hours this week, Pastor. Really? Let's put another 20 in. How about it? You know, because and some of you are going, this is, no, this is the way, this is the way that, that, that it works. And I want you to understand something. This isn't the world that we live in. This is the way God established it. We are to work. You get up, you work. My dad, I was talking with someone the other day. My dad used to tell me uh, back when I was growing up that church would always have revivals. And so you'd have a, uh, the evangelist would come in, you'd do a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I thank God that we don't do that all anymore. But we would do that. It was like a marathon. And if God really showed up, it would go week after week after week. And my dad would say to me, when you go to pastor, whatever God's called you to pastor, if you keep those people up and you have them there Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night, you better get up the next morning at 530 and 6 o'clock like every working man and woman in that room has to. And you better make sure that you're on the clock and that you're at the office and that you're not clearing your throat about 9 or 10 o'clock because it's been a late night the night before. Because all those people have had to show up to sacrifice. You better make sure that you're there to do that as well. Brother Ar Armin Newbern, the superintendent of Oklahoma, the Assemblies of God, the district superintendent, told me one thing. He said, when I came, came to pastor here, he said, Aaron, I'll just tell you this. If you'll get up and you'll work hard, and he said, you show up at the coffee shop at 530, 
the local place where all the men come in, and they'll come in, and the construction guys, and the blue-collar guys, and the shift workers, and you just sit there, and you begin to meet people, and you just be kind. Sit there for a little longer, and you'll have the white-collar guys will come in because they go to work a little later. It's a little bit different, and you'll do that. And you'll just meet people, and you'll be around. If you'll get up every day, and you'll make sure that you're in the office by 9 o'clock and that you're available, if you'll just love people, and you'll preach God's Word, and you'll take care of Tammy, you'll never have for a want of anything in life, and you won't have a want for a place to preach. Because people like that are hard to find, he said. It's true. In the world in which we live in, so few people really want to stand up and just be committed to whatever it is that God's called you to do. Whether it's a teacher, it's an engineer, it's a housewife, it's a pastor, it's a missionary. I just found out this week that, that of ordained ministers with the fellowship that I'm associated with, with the Assemblies of God, who have 67 million adherents worldwide, over 13,000 churches in the United States, that there are more ordained pastors over the age of 90 in our fellowship than under the age of 30. You know why? It's this issue. It's work. It's not easy. It's not easy. And it's the same way across the board. This isn't just a, a ministry issue. It's a marketplace issue. It's something that we have to find. And I just want to bring you back to, for as long as this earth shall endure, you're going to work. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, Paul says. And wintertime is a time of work, but remember, springtime is coming. And the last thing I want to say about this time of preparation is this, is when he talks about night, night, it's a, it's a renewal of preparation. It's a time of renewal of preparation. Now, see, we view night in a different way than which, which Noah or the, the, uh, the Israelites, the Jews, would have viewed it reading this in the Old Testament. For us, uh, the day begins in, in the Western mindset from sunup to sundown. So basically, uh, Saturday morning began this morning. Saturday began this morning. And it will, it will end to basically till we get up tomorrow morning. So sunup to sunup, basically that's a 24-hour period in our mindset. The reality is, the way the Jews viewed it, is they viewed the day from sundown to sundown. So what that meant is, is that the day started, the next day started at 6 o'clock p.m. of the day that they were in. And so when the sun would go down, they would close up shop. They'd go home, and it was the biggest meal they'd have all day because they'd work hard throughout the day, and they'd be with their family. And that meal was a time of replenishment from all the work they had done that day. Then that evening, they would prepare themselves, whatever they needed to do to get things ready for the next day. And they would prepare themselves, and they viewed rest as a time of preparation for the work that they had to do the next morning. And so then, actually, the daytime of the next day was actually just all part of that, that period. And so the day for, 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 for those that would be reading this from, from a Jewish mindset, from an Eastern mindset, would have realized that at the evening, at night, is when the time of rest comes to prepare you for the growth in the next day. And that's true in our own life, is that that nighttime is a time of, of, of renewal. And when you're working and when you're going through the season of preparation, you have to make sure that it's renewing you, that it's developing you, that it's working in you. We all want a great reward. We all want the reward of a, of a great marriage. We all want the reward of great kids. We all want the reward of a great job or great finances. We all want this vibrant Christian life. But the question is, is are you willing to invest in the preparation that it takes? Are you willing to do what it takes to, to invest in your marriage, to invest in your children, to invest in your finances, to invest in your job, to invest in your career? Are you willing to put the time in, the work in, the dedication in to, to, to relationship with Christ? 
to have that vibrant relationship with Jesus. The, the reason why most of us don't achieve the reward is because we're not willing to endure this season of preparation. Think about it. We get ourselves in financial trouble. Why? Because we want to circumvent this seed, time, and harvest. We want the car now. We want the house now. We want the new clothes now. So what do we do? We swipe our way to happiness. Instead of waiting till we've saved, till we can afford, till we can have, till we can do that. Current numbers right now say that in America, the average person is three weeks away from bankruptcy. If they didn't receive a paycheck for three weeks, they would be out, done, delinquent, on their way out. Why? Because we spend and then we try to make up for it. We, 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 we put it on credit and then we try to just to work, work and pay it off instead of the way God designed it to do, go through a season of preparation, go through a season of work, go through a season of, of having to, to endure, and then this will happen in your life. The, the reward will come. Same way with, with, with our kids we, we, or our families or our marriages. Uh, we, we don't put the time in. We don't invest the time in. We work and we do these other things instead of trying to achieve some sense of balance there. Same way in our Christian life. We don't really pray. We don't really come to church. Why? Till we get in trouble. Till everything's falling apart. Till everything's going crazy. Everything's chaotic. And then all of a sudden, ah, but we haven't put the time in preparation. We haven't put the time in prayer. The Bible says that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. How do you know the voice of the shepherd? Because you're a sheep. But how do you know it? Because you've heard it. And you've listened. And you've followed him. It's preparation. I know a message like today is not like, you're probably like, I shaved my legs for this. Well, really, this is what this is. But if you want to have growth in your life, you've got to be willing to go through seed time and through cold and through night. You've got to be willing to go through these things in order to have what? Reward. Now, I'm going to talk about reward next week, about the harvest, about the heat, about the summer, about the day, and how to achieve, how to achieve the, the reward that, that, you, that you want, how, how to see those things happen. The Bible speaks very, very straightforward, and when it speaks about seasons and that there's a season of having a reward. But re I want you to catch this today, that reward always follows preparation. A time of reaping always follows a time of sowing. A time of benefit always follows a time of sacrifice. A time of enjoyment always always follows a season of work. And the last phrase that God uses, as long as this earth shall endure, there'll be seed, time, and harvest, summer and winter, day and night, cold and heat. And this will never cease. Why, why is that important? Because here's what he's saying. This is a foundational principle. This principle of preparation followed by reward. As long as this earth is here and as long as we live on it, this is how it's going to work. And that you can guarantee, you can bet your bottom dollar, if you would, that this is the way it's going to work. And when you work it this way, the creation, you and I, work it the way God the Creator intended for it to be on this earth, this will work. You sound pretty certain of that, Aaron. Oh yeah. Because God's not a man that he would lie. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. But the reality is, is when you do walk through this, when you do trust in the Lord, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap, is what the book of Galatians says. David became king. Joseph became the ruler. Abraham had the son. Moses saw the promised land. It may take 13 years. It may take 25 years. It may take 40 years. But it will happen. Why? Because God is God. 
And that's the blessed hope that we have. That's a blessed assurance that we have, that we labor not in vain, that we don't work in vain, that we can trust in God with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding, acknowledge him in all of our ways and let him guide and direct our paths. So today, I want to ask you just really simply, are you in a season of preparation or a season of reward? If you're in a season of reward, then I just want to ask you this. What are you doing with it? Are you enjoying it? Because that's part of what God planned for you too. Are you enjoying the harvest? Are you enjoying the day? Are you enjoying the summer? Are you saving and preparing for the next season? They say that you should prepare for war in a time of peace. If you're in a season of preparation, what are you struggling with? I gave you four areas. The Bible gives you four areas. Is it the length? Is it you feel like God's forgotten you? Is it the conditions? This just doesn't feel fair. And I just want to remind you that fairness ended in the garden, that life isn't fair. It'll never be fair. But if you will trust in God, he will, even in bad conditions, honor you and bless you. Is it the work? You're just tired? I mean, you're just, you're putting the hours in and you're doing this and you're just tired? Is, is, is that, is it the lack of renewal? that you're neglecting yourself in this whole process? If you're in a season of preparation, what area are you struggling with? And, and, and I just want to ask you one last thing. What reward are you working towards? Because sometimes in the work, we forget what the ultimate goal is. Sometimes in that season of preparation, we, we forget why we're doing what we're doing, and we get our eyes off and we lose focus. And so I just want to pray for you today. I know this is meat and potatoes, and, and I know this is not anything that's crazy in depth, but the sad reality is about 20% of the people in this room live this. Are the people that call themselves Christ followers? Well, why are you so certain about that, Aaron? Because you read the numbers, look at it, how we live our lives and how we do it. We trust God with our salvation, but we don't look at his book and how we live our lives and, and, and our work ethic and our values and how we do things. And as a pastor, my heart breaks because I see people struggling over things they shouldn't struggle over and trying to, to and become frustrated about things that they shouldn't become frustrated about. And they get down and depressed about things that quite frankly, just don't give up. Just keep on keeping on. Go back to the word. And that's part of my responsibility is to equip you to do the work of ministry, to spur you on and to encourage you to do those things. So that's why I preach a message like this. Because delayed gratification works. If you're a young man and you keep yourself pure, you're a young woman and you keep yourself pure and you hold your virginity to marriage the way God intended for it to, do, to be, which is a season of preparation, you'll have a season of reward. That's where that applies. And when you stand in that altar, you'll have more than a ring to give and vows to exchange. You'll have something that's priceless. You're a young guy and you're, you're working and, and, and you're trying to lead well your family and you're frustrated because it doesn't feel like things are happening and you've sacrificed for college and, you're, and you just, you feel like God's forgotten you. I just want to remind you, he hasn't. You're in that season of preparation that he's preparing, that he's working. And you may feel like Joseph where you go from the palace to the pit, to the palace, to the prison, and it's like up and it's down. God hasn't forgotten you. Don't give up. 
Some of you, there have been things that have happened in your life and you've committed your life, but there's been conditions that have happened and life is hard. Maybe it's a physical condition. Maybe it's an emotional condition. Maybe you're battling something that nobody else knows about and you, you, you don't know and there's a season. I'm just telling you, you walk through that season. You walk through that time and you just trust God. Why? Because his word says, for as long as this earth shall endure, yes, there'll be a time of preparation, but there will be a time of reward and this won't cease. There will be a time of work, but there'll be a payday coming. There will be a time of winter, but summer's coming. There'll be a time of night, but daytime is around the corner. Just don't give up. So it's important that we understand it. And not only do we understand it, but that we live it out. And I know it's not the lack of knowledge that we die from. It's the application. It's a discipline. The tough part about life is that it's so daily. Day in and day out and day in and day out. But I'm telling you, if you lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, you would fall, God will do his word. He will perform his word in your life. And you'll be just like that Psalm 1, verse 3, that tree standing by the streams of living water that will yield forth its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, and whatever you do will prosper. How do you get there? Season of preparation followed by season of reward. For as long as this earth shall endure, seed, time, harvest, day, night, Summer, winter, cold and heat, it shall not cease. Father, I just thank you today for your word. God, I thank you for the hope that when we're in the middle of the battle, when we're in the middle of following you, when we're in those days where we don't know if you even hear our prayers, Lord, that your word says that you do. When we're in the nighttime that we have promised that day is coming. When we're in the time of planting that we can have promise that you're not mocked, that you will bless, there will be increase. Then the times of cold, that preparation that's done that nobody else sees, when the days are short and the nights are long, that the heat of the summer will come. Then that season of winter, that summer will come, that the blessings will come. And I just pray right now, Lord, for those that are in a season of preparation, God, that they're struggling with the length. Maybe they feel forgotten with the conditions. Maybe they, it's just really hard. With the workload, Lord, that they just are, are just, feel like they're just pounding the pavement. God, with just lack of renewal, Lord, that you will just meet them where they are. Let them remember, Lord, what they're working for. Let them remember the end goal. Let them remember what they're called to do. God, let them not forget. I just pray in the name of Jesus that you'll help us. Lord, to live life in this season of growth, to see the growth of you in our lives, in our families, in our business, and all that we touch and all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.